Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. Hey there, citizens. New Amsterdam Radio starts now. It's Flobo Boys, of course, in the city for creatives. And I was in the mayor's office a little earlier, but right now, I guess I'm outside the office. I'm I'm in another room in my complex. So do I call that like the mayor's wing, the, the street outside? I have to get up names for all these things. This is the first time here. Welcome. New Amsterdam Radio is a podcast for creatives, thinkers, and doers, and those that go beyond those that go outside the box. And then you've been here before. Well, I have to thank you for helping the show grow, telling your friends and family about the show, and watching it go from just me in the corner of my room with the phone up to my lips to being able to actually sit down and talk with people that are making a difference. Much like my guest today, Toriano Porter, I had a really great talk with him. Uh, he calls himself or refers to himself as an author, speaker, mentor, and journalist. And so I need to know what that meant off the rip, off the bat. A really good guy, a really great story. And I hope you guys enjoy it too. Before I get to that, I just want to say, as always, newamsterdam.com, K-N-E-W, amsterdam.com. Uh, to, you can learn more about the brand, learn more about the podcast, and other shows that I am a host of. Now, without any further ado, my chat with Toriana Porter. Welcome back to the Am Sam Mayor, the podcast for creatives. It is I, the mayor, once again in the mayor office, but I am not alone. I am being joined by someone who's a multi-hyphenate, an author, speaker, mentor, and journalist, making it happen all the way in Missouri. Let's talk to you, Mr. Toriano Porter. How are you doing, sir? I am blessed. I am great. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. New Amsterdam Radio. I love it. <laughs> I appreciate you like, you like the name of our show. Uh, well, talk about those hyphens. I mean, author, speaker, mentor, journalist. I mean, did one come before the other? Just like fall into them all? Like, what was the story? Man, it, it, it's, it's like I was trying to figure out what it is that I do, what it is I stand for. And there's a couple other superlatives I didn't use. And that's father and still black, you know, right, although I'm right. an author, a mentor, a speaker, a journalist. I'm still black in America, but first and foremost, I'm a father, man. So, you know, I'm just trying to let people know what it is that I do. You know, I write books. I'm a yeah. journalist. I'm an opinion writer for a living. I speak with the children. I'm, I'm always giving my time to the young folks and, uh, you know, trying to motivate them. So this yeah. is what I do. This is what I do, man. When did you realize that was your path in life? Did you, was that day one or was it like you were going somewhere else? And it was like, no, no, this is the, the truth for me. I just wanted to write. Honestly, from the time I was probably about 12. Yeah. I knew that I wanted to take the path of uh, being a journalist mm -hmm. from about the time of 18. I knew I wanted to write a book. So I'm doing both now. Currently, I, I'm a day <laughs> job. I'm opinion writer for the story editorial board. And at night I, I write books. So I'm living that dream. But uh, for as getting out and being a mentor and being more into the community, that's something that's happened here in the last 14 or 15 years. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, 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 I grew up in an environment where I was just trying to survive. Yeah. Every day was about survival. And then once you know, you start realizing those dreams and what God put you on this earth to do, then you start realizing it's bigger than just you or your family. So then yeah. I started trying to give my um, time back to young people. Sure. 
Yeah. And uh, you said that you were on the star boards of Kansas City Star. Uh, editorial board, yes. Editorial board. Uh, between Kansas City and St. Louis is where your story starts. And yes, I know yes. everyone has a unique mix of upbringing and experiences, but like, how did yours uh, like influence your work? Wow, man. Um, growing up in South St. Louis in the 80s and the 90s, there was a lot of what I would call guns, gangs, and crime. Uh, you're out there in L.A. Uh, L.A. LA-based gangs actually infiltrated uh, St. Louis. Uh, whether it was the Crips or the Bloods or whatever, it infiltrated my neighborhood. And along with that came drugs <laughs> and mm -hmm. violent crime. And so trying to navigate those pitfalls in the 80s and 90s was really hard for me as a, a young man. But I was able to do that with the grace of, you know, good structure and uh, God, basically, honestly, to tell you the truth. Yeah. And, and is that kind of the reason why you decided to start in your community to, to build from there? I mean, you could have traveled the world to do your what you're doing, but you're just keeping it happening in the Midwest. You, you, you know, growing up, um, I knew I wanted to be someplace other than St. Louis. So <laughs> it was like L.A., New York, Chicago, you know, big city guy. But God kind of brought me to Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> it's not too far from home, but I was able to find a um, what you would call a level of peace, inner peace that I could not find at home. B, I was able to further my writing career here. So mm -hmm. there was a lot of trauma that I didn't realize when I left St. Louis in 2007, about 13, 13, 14 years ago. There was a lot of trauma I left that I didn't realize until I left. I was yeah. dealing with a lot of trauma. So I was just surviving day to day. Yeah. And once I moved away and stepped away, I was able to realize that. I was traumatized, get help and find peace. And that's kind of been that process. Yeah. It's a straight shot down the interstate, but it seems to be a different world. Yeah, it, it's a straight shot. You know what mm -hmm. I found out? Yeah. Um, Tell me. There are some of the elements uh, are still the same. You have high levels of violence here. Um, mm -hmm. But for me, the difference is here, I am doing professional things and I run in professional circles. When yeah. I was home, I cannot necessarily say I was doing that. I was running with the same old, same old. I hear you. Uh, my my journey is kind of similar. From Brooklyn, born and raised, I went to the South, North Florida for college. I came out to Orange County, California for grad school. I've been here ever since. And so it's granted the, the distance may be further, but the story is kind of the same. Like you have the environment you saw. There's a sense of comfort there. It takes a yeah. lot to say. I am not doing that. <laughs> I'm going under that. So I, I was actually uh, reading some of your work here uh, that you actually have out on your books, excuse me, specifically uh, on Amazon or wherever you get your eBooks. Uh, talk to me about the Pride of Park Avenue. I mean, this one looked like it, looked like it was a pretty deep collection of essays and stories. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, was, like, it must have been difficult to, to, to write about that. Oh, my God. You lived it. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah, the Pride of Park Avenue, that's my baby. That's my first yeah. one. Uh, like you said, it's a collection of short stories, poems, and personal essays about life again, growing up in the quote unquote hood, trying mm -hmm. to make good and navigate. And unfortunately for me, um, a lot of friends I grew up with were um, victims of gun violence, homicide victims, uh, yeah. basically. So I want my first eight stories in a Pride of Park Avenue of personal essays, what I would call eulogies to my friends who were murdered in the street. Because you know, as a newspaper reporter, this is something that I realized early that we like write little blurbs about people and then we move on to the next story. Mm. Well, I wanted my friends to be more than just blurbs in the newspaper. So I wanted to write more in-depth pieces about them and the impact they had on my life and others. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how was that? Cause I know you, I think you self-published it, correct? 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So that must have been a process to basically having your experiences on pen and paper and then deciding, I believe in this project enough to push it across the finish line myself. Was that an easy decision? Was that one of those things where it's like, it has to happen? Like, what were you that part of the the journey? It it was an easy decision. As I was going, as I was starting on these projects in 2004, 2005, we're talking about 14, 15 years ago, the advent of the internet wasn't what it was now, right? Mm -hmm. But so I was going, shopping my manuscript around to a lot of different, what you would call smaller pub publishers. Um, I ran across a young woman who was a Christian publisher. We okay. sat down and we talked. Now she said my book was not quite a fit, but this is the nugget she gave me and it's been on ever since. She said, no one is gonna be willing to invest in you unless you invest in yourself. And so I felt so strongly about the work and I felt so strongly about my talent. I decided to do it myself. I would, I would take the independent route the route that I saw a bunch of independent hip hop artists take yeah. and do it yourself. And you yeah. build your audience one by one. So that's what I did. I've been trying ever since to build my audience one by one, because at the end of the day, numbers talk. And so do, uh, so does data. <laughs> right. The numbers don't lie. <laughs> Streets neither, but definitely numbers. Uh, we, and uh, the other the book so far in the canon, James Cool and the five people you meet in the hood before you go to heaven, which yes, is a mouthful, sir. though. But yes, I like I like the fact there's a through line there. Even, even though that James Cool is a novel and that says it's, it's purely fiction, there's still some realism there that's uniquely Midwestern. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. uh, so. Uh, growing up in South St. Louis, uh, in real life, an uh, actual story, I grew yeah. up on Park Avenue in South St. Louis, the pride of Park Avenue. Well, when I was about nine or 10 years old, my mom moved to a street called James Cool Papa Bell. Um, it was on a different side of the city, the North St. Louis side of the city. Okay. There was a lot of hmm, what you would call territorial drama <laughs> with right. us being, me and my brother and my family being from the South side, moving into the North side. We yeah. faced a lot. But here's the thing. This is the reason why I wrote the novel. novel. Uh, the first day we moved on the street, James Cooper Bell, yeah. met the prettiest girl I ever met in my life. And I was in love. <laughs> <laughs> That's how the story usually goes. <laughs> and, so, and so in real life, I never did get the girl. I never did get the girl. Yeah. But in the book, James Cool, I get the girl. So, okay. well, yeah, you know, I, I want <laughs> you know, it's a novel. It's fake, fake, fake fiction. Make believe. So I made my own world. But I, I wanted to write something cute for middle school kids, it's people who look like me, some young mm-hmm. black boys who really don't like to read because maybe people are not talking about what they want to hear. So mm-hmm. I wanted to write something because we can all relate to our first little crush, you know? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And well, then, I, I, that was my first novel. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that was, like I said, the first novel is always like the one where I think it's the most personal. My my first novel was like a NaNoWriMo thing. So it was kind of written under a speed run in November over 30 days. That was the first draft, of course. But then like 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 crafting it and saying, okay, yeah. well, how does this person win? Do they win? How right. like, to me that that to me is the process. Right. And uh, I'm I wasn't aware about the North St. Louis side. Growing up from New York, you hear about the state line crossing over state line to East St. Louis. I mean, that's yes, a lot more yes, notorious, but like I didn't know the North had its own intricacies as well. Oh my yeah. God, man. It, it's it's like night and day. And and because the city is so territorial, I'm talking about from block to block, even south side. It's territorial. You have to watch where you go from block to block. Mm-hmm. So imagine going from the south side to the north side and, and right. navigating that. So I was young. I was a child. But it's, it's crazy because now I have lifelong friends from north side of St. Louis. So yeah. it worked out the way it was supposed to. That That is just 
interesting but very awesome that you're like no that's that's where i was that's where i was not going to change a thing that's number one (laughs) uh you had mentioned uh, a couple times that that you are a black man in america as am i and uh, i gotta ask you a question Uh, about the last year or so things came to a head black lives matter movement yes sir i i I hesitate to come off as jaded but there is there is a little bit of a well will this one stick uh, your opinion of the past year, do you think there really is a watershed moment for black race relations? Is it does not happen at all? I mean, what's the deal? I'm I'm positive and I'm optimistic, but that's me by nature. The work <laughs> continues though. You know, um yeah. last year about this time, um, we were reeling from the Breonna Taylor uh murder, honestly. Um, you know, that was that was that was a wake up call. But you know, locally here in Kansas City, Missouri, we had had in twenty twenty we had had maybe two or three officer-involved shootings mm-hmm. where nothing really happened to the police. Mm. So when Brianna was murdered, you know, it took it took on a national uh, uh, theme. But locally here at my job is to hold public officials accountable for their actions, including the police and the police chief. So I was on the ground here writing about these these gentlemen. Donnie Sanders uh, is one of the gentlemen's name. Cameron Lamb is another one of the kids' name. And a uh, young man's name, I should say. And uh, Ryan Stokes and these these young men were all murdered by the police with little to no accountability. So we were as a journalist, as an opinion writer, I was already talking about it. Mm-hmm. And then when George Floyd happened in May, everything just kind of took off. And just like any other place, we had protests here for well over 30 days. And I would yeah. tell you, probably after that second or third day, I was on the ground every day just trying to get a sense of what, what was going on because I miss Ferguson being from St. Louis, Ferguson being a uh, suburb of St. Louis, 20 minutes from my stopping grounds as a journalist, a professional journalist, I was not able to cover that. And mm-hmm. that's one of my, I would call greatest mistakes, uh, regrets as a professional. Yeah. So when the local George Floyd protest happened, I wanted to be out there. Yeah. And, and you went out there multiple days, uh, which is, tell us about your resolve. And then and actually a need for change as well. Uh, yes. I, as, as someone that's in Los Angeles, we had our own as the uh, same, similar, similar, but it's a different kind of vibe uh, being in, I don't want to say more tolerant, but I think there's a lot more allies uh, in, a, mm-hmm. in a major city than in New York mm-hmm. and LA, than the mm-hmm. Midwest and the South mm-hmm. and the Mid-South. Uh, mm-hmm. As a journalist, I mean, is that just me being anecdotal or is that any kind of, your experience is very similar or different to that? Yeah, I would say uh, absolutely. It's, it's different. Um, it's a little bit more regressive here, a mm-hmm. uh, little bit more conservative here in the Midwest, Missouri and Kansas, especially. Uh, it's a what you would call a super red state. Uh, it's just what it is. Yeah. And being able to navigate that man as a black man in America is is tough, but it's life. It's reality. Right. So we we we, we build uh, relationships. We uh, connect with allies and we try to dismantle this thing called systemic racism brick by brick. Speaking of that, uh, over the pandemic, uh, you were the lead moderator on the Racial Reckoning and the Kansas City Star, which I watched it. Not only was it discussion about race, there really was like a, a throwback to the archives of this individual yes. paper. Can you yes. put some backstory about that, about that first and your experiences moderating this panel? Uh, absolutely. So the Kansas City Star um, was came out and apologized to the black community. The paper that I write for, been there four years down, the Kansas City Star came out and apologized for its decades-long, decades-long coverage of the black community 
most often than not negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that mea culpa, that a public apology wasn't the first from a news organization, but it was probably one of the most impactful and people are still talking about it now. Um, my particular role, I, I have to give my colleague, Marae Rose Wims, her, her, um, her roses. This was her project. She's a black woman. She was the longtime education reporter at the Star. She was promoted to the editorial board. So now she's a colleague of mine. And I'm so happy because now we have a black woman voice on the editorial board. So that's going to make us even more better. But she brought this to the attention of the Star because, you know, we were calling out a bunch of institutions as a paper. We were calling out a bunch of institutions without having our own racial reckoning. And that's how that started. So Marae took that and ran with it. And we had a it was a total team effort. My role in this was minimal. but I played a part and I was proud to be a part of it. I wrote the editorial about what's next. Okay, we apologize. Now, what are we going to do about it? So we set out to uh, a few examples of education, health, you know, financial uh, economic development in the urban core. How's Kansas City going to move itself forward? How's the star going to help uh, do that? So we, 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 we stood out. As far as yeah. moderating the panel, yeah. I was blessed and honored to be a part of that again. Uh, my job is to be an ambassador. My job is to hold people accountable, but my job is also to be a team player. So when they asked me to moderate that panel, I, I, I was all in. Yeah, I was actually watching the clip. First of all, the suit game on point. <laughs> You, Second sir. of Thank all, it, it was a it was a real difficult issue to navigate, and you did it with aplomb. And I appreciate the fact that there was kind of a an honest look, because I mean, not to say that 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 you couldn't, but you could see other news outlets who may not ascribe to you activity would try to make themselves look as better as best as they can. But this was exactly. an honest look of the background of, of Kansas City, oh, Kansas City man. Star. It it was hard, and we took we we took some lumps. Like mm-hmm. everyone wasn't um happy about it. Uh, yeah. What took so long was one of the things or what are you going to do about it now? Are you going to put your money where your mouth is? You know, like a lot of people like to say here in Missouri, we're from the show me state. Right. <laughs> so what, what are we going to do to show people that we're serious about what we wrote about and what we, you know, went on national TV and talked about so far? Uh, I tell people we're on the clock. So yeah. whatever we do from here on out, it's going to be done with an equity lens and a lens on race. And uh, racial reckoning, and I and I and I love to be a part of that. I am proud and honored to be a part of that. Yeah, with the uh, the fractionalization of how people get their news, whether or not it's the BBC, all the way down to memes <laughs> and questionable sources, how has journalism shifted since you got on? And what do you need to combat that to make sure your your paper is seen still Ooh. within the seas of misinformation, disinformation, etc.? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked that, Flobo. Um, man, oh. we've been counter. We, ha- we in the mainstream media, we've been having to counter this fake media uh, stuff for the last four or five years, man. And this, this is what I tell folks, right? It's, it's real simple. It's real cliche, but it's the truth. Just because it's news you don't like don't mean it's fake. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You have to, A, get your news from trusted sources. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the Facebook or the memes or your friends trusted long-standing sources your new york times your la times your kansas city stars you know your your major newspaper because at the end of the day journalism is still journalism you have to report the facts for me in the position i am i am lucky i'm extremely lucky because i'm an opinion writer that means i get to report the facts and add commentary Mm 
It's not right. just running my mouth. It's commentary based on research, reporting, and facts. It's a lovely thing. But I tell people all the time, get your news from trusted sources, double check those sources, and then go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good to know. And, and do, just you personally, when you're writing an article, how many how many outlets do you corroborate? Like, is, it, is this our gold standard? Is it three? Is it 12? Is it 100? <laughs> Listen, I, it's funny. I was telling somebody yesterday, I was working on a piece. Um, it was about um, 17-year-olds being locked up in adult prisons, right? Um, mm-hmm. Missouri is one of the last states to uh, rescind that law. Basically, they're still charging 17-year-olds as an adult. Science studies have shown 17-year-old kids do not need to be in jail with grown people. So I'm working on that one sentence, right? It was one sentence that I wrote about the what makes it, why it's dangerous for 17-year-olds to uh, what you would call be incarcerated with adults. I, I, I looked at four different studies just to corroborate that one sentence. Yeah. Four different studies just to corroborate that one sentence. So that's the part of the job that I do like. Because again, like I said, I, I don't do hot takes. I don't just run my mouth. I do the mm-hmm. research. I do the reporting. I do the interviewing. Just like a newspaper reporter. But I add the commentary. So that just gives you a little. Uh, so in, in our digital uh, package, we have this thing where we call hyperlinks, where we kind of link to where we get the research and information. And this, they want us to have between six and eight. And this particular piece I turned in yesterday, I had 12. <laughs> right. So just to clarify, he's not saying four articles. Four different studies. Which... Four different studies. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That, that just, is... just to corroborate one sentence of a seven, mm, five, 600 page, 600 word uh, opinion. Yeah. Well, that's how you keep yourself trusted, right? As a source. Exactly. Sure there you go. Yeah. There you go. Trusted yeah. sources. Yeah. And these were legitimate studies, you know? Yeah. Well, of course, of course. So we're like, we're we're in the springtime 2021. We are in the kind of peak of the pandemic. Kind of is, kind of not. Moving on, I'm not sure. What does Toronto Porter want to do for himself and professionally to grow your brand, to grow your influence, any other cool projects on the horizon? That's dope. I'm glad you asked that question, Flobo. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. This time last year, we were shut down. No right. one knew what the future held. No one knew what was going to happen. Uh, I spent, I would say, March and April pretty much shut down with everyone else. Uh, May, yeah. I was kind of, right, May is my birthday month. I wanted to get out a little bit, but, you know, we were in the middle of a growing pandemic. And so I kind of just sat down. And then George Floyd happened May 29th. Hmm. After that, man, I got out. I was on the street with the people again, masked up, social distancing and all, protesting and all. Fortunately, I never caught COVID. So, uh, but... I did a lot of work for the people. I was on the ground giving the, giving that voice to the voiceless, as we say. I did a lot of work for my employer, the KC Star. I personally want to have something for myself in 2020. So I set a goal. I'm going to have something tangible for myself. So on Black Friday, this past November, I put out my first only digital, I mean, my first ever digital only project, the five people you meet in the hood before you get to heaven. Yeah. It's an exclusive ebook on Amazon.com. It's 38 pages. It went number one on Amazon's hot new uh, release charts. And I was there for like three weeks at number one. So uh, that was volume one. So for 2021, I'm working on volume two. And basically, it's a collection of essays about the five people closest to me that I lost in a span of 19 months. 
how I was able to reconcile with uh, those guys and their spirits. I was able to reconcile with the mistakes I made in those relationships and what they meant to me. So it's redemption, reconciliation, and uh, what you would call a memorial to the five people that I, that was closest to me that I really, really feel like changed the trajectory of my life. It's available on Amazon.com, the five people you meet in the hood before you get to heaven. Man, I'm like, I'm going to eat a giant cheeseburger. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to write this book to, to honor my friends and family. I respect the hustle. I really do. There's, no there's not a lot of... People are just like as open about your craft as what you are. And I think people really would love to learn more about you. How would they go about doing that? What's your online presence, website, social media? Tell me all Man, that. Man, I'm, I'm out there. It's, it's really <laughs> simple. My, no, I'm serious. If you are on social media, Facebook, Instagram, whatever channel you use, Twitter, you can find me at Toriano Porter, T-O-R-I-A-N-O-P-O-R-T-E-R. All lowercase, all one word, at Toriano Porter. The website is torianoporter.com. And Google, my friend. Google me. <laughs> you can even bing him, too, if you want to. <laughs> you can bing me, too, if that's your thing. <laughs> Toriano, thank you so much for being on the show. I, wanna, I want off. you back in the future to see what else you're working on, because this yes, is sir. actually a cool way of you approaching the writing and sharing stories in a way that has that serves both the day job flow and then your personal brand flow. Absolutely, man. It's, uh, for right. me, it's an ongoing therapeutic process, man. All these all this trauma that hit me across my skull flow, all I can do is write to get it out man i've cried i laugh i uh shudder all those things when i write so it's been good for me and i hope the people you know the readers are able to read read that emotion and feel that emotion between those pages uh also i gotta hit you up with some suit tips try to have some new colorways like, you know what i'm saying i gotta make sure hey man you listen I'm a, I'm a i'm an open book and i'm fair i don't i don't hate the game or the player <laughs> anytime and I, I really appreciate your compliments man because i really really try hard with my suit game i try real hard it shows, man. I'm like, okay, all right. Yeah, especially <laughs> like, that that uh, that KC Star racial reckoning one. I, I had to represent for for us. Man. I saw the video, you the know. costume change. It was, it was, you know, it was I did great. all that, man. It was yeah. it was like Superman. It was on your social media on Instagram at Toriano yes, Porter. Make sure you check that out. Uh, yes, but yeah, any last words for the fans listening right now? Absolutely, man. Uh, again, stay safe, mask up, keep your distance. No matter what the uh, people say, believe the science, trust the science. We're gonna get through this thing together as far as LA and uh, across the world. Flobo, good luck to everything you do, man. I hope this thing, your media empire blows and I can be on the show again. I really, really enjoyed this. This was great. Thanks so much for listening to New Amsterdam Radio. Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W Amsterdam.com Until next time, this city is yours.